Hi, everyone. I'm Tom Jenkins, Fire Chief with the City of Rogers, Arkansas, and the IAFC President in 2017 to 2018. And I'm Sheldon Gilbert, former Fire Chief of the Alameda County, California Fire Department, and now a Chief Executive Officer of Emergency Services Consulting International, or as we like to go by, ESCI. And this is the iChiefs Podcast. If you're searching for new ideas, looking to improve your leadership skills, and wanting to make a difference within your organization, this is the podcast for you. We encourage you to join us as we engage with fire service leaders who discuss the challenges and opportunities facing you and your agency. Hey, welcome back to our second podcast, talking about what is on the minds of all public safety officials and elected officials for that matter, and that's COVID-19, the impact it's having on our cities and our communities and especially on our fire and EMS uh, leadership, uh, the fire and, and firefighters, paramedics, EMTs out there on the streets responding to patients, having to deal uh, with what is something that is cataclysmic on many fronts. And so we're delighted to have you with us today and joining us for uh, what I think is a very awesome guest to have and get to visit with. Yeah, Tom, I'm, I'm excited about our guest today. We're honored to be joined by Deputy Assistant Chief John Esposito who is the Special Operations Chief for the FDNY. And we certainly know that the epicenter of this pandemic and this disaster has been New York, and the challenges that they've experienced have been unmatched and very unique. And we're excited to be joined by the Chief today to talk about lessons learned from the street and what we can all learn from that taking forward. And I guess we'd start by maybe you sharing with us a little bit about how it has in impacted the, the community and the, and the boroughs and the areas within within New York. Uh, good afternoon and thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, so uh, since, you know, the COVID and the coronavirus started on our radar in January and we started watching it, you know, from, from across the world, um, in February we started to change some of our responses for, for the firefighters uh, to the, some of the medical calls uh, and reduced some of those responses to the lower level medical calls to in an attempt to reduce the uh the exposure uh and then when it you know kind of really hit fast in uh you know the second and third week of March some of the things that we've done uh to address it uh the firefighters we've changed their work schedule uh we have normally have a two platoon system uh, two tours a day, a uh, nine-hour tour during the day, and a 15-hour tour overnight. And we moved all our firefighters to uh, straight 24s, what we're calling an ABCD chart. Uh, and we did that uh, in, the, in the beginning because we were trying to limit the exposure across the uh, of the firefighters working, uh, so to be working with the same firefighters. Uh, and that was the time when the policy was anybody that was uh, COVID positive, everybody that they had close contact with was being uh, quarantined for 14 days. As uh, once it was determined that we were a community spread, that it was basically everywhere, uh, we changed the process, uh, the procedure, uh, to comply with the, the advice from CDC for healthcare workers that even if you had close contact to somebody that was positive, uh, you were able to keep working until you became symptomatic. Um, 
So what we're seeing now over the last uh, week or 10 days is that our medical runs for uh, CPR and uh, and DOAs have uh, almost quadrupled. So average uh, before this hit was about 70 a day that we would uh, we we would have fire companies doing CPR throughout the city 70 times a day uh, over the past week, and that shot up above 300, uh, and we're still in the uh, mid to high 200s uh, times a day that we have uh, companies doing CPR, and uh, so it's you know having a, an incredible effect on our EMTs and paramedics. They're, they're uh, break, setting and breaking records every day, more and more medical runs. Uh, and on our firefighters with the, uh, you know, the number of times they're doing CPR as well. And we have obviously concerns about the, uh, the emotional tolls it takes on, uh, on all our people. Chief, I know that um, from visiting with you previously and, and listening to some of your feedback on other calls we've been involved with together um, and also reading um, what the New York Times has put out, it, it seems like New York City um, is definitely, uh, you know, it's an epicenter, and these are these are just, you know, you break, you talk about breaking records with CPR calls and that sort of things. Um, can you tell us, especially for our listeners, what what are some what are a handful of things that you've done uh, in the FDNY? I mean, you talked about changing the platoon schedule, going from nines and fifteens to twenty-four hour platoons. What are some other things that if you were to you know, be looking at a group of fire chiefs who have yet to see the kind of uh, dramatic increase in COVID-19 related responses as, as you all have, what would you uh, advise them to be thinking about in terms of the workforce or in terms of deployment out there uh, for the, the cities that they protect? So uh, a big, one of the big issues that we've had is, uh, and I believe this is across the country, concerns the, the PPE and the, the, the policy for what type of protection you're going to wear on, on what type of run. So uh, currently, we, you know, we've always had N95 APRs uh, uh, in, our, you know, in our inventory, uh, and we're trying as best as possible to only use them, uh, to use them limited uh, in those procedures uh, where, that they're, where they're required. So for for CPR and intubations and things like that. Uh, we are also strongly suggesting, uh, or we mandated the use of surgical masks for all all other patient contact, including trauma settings, um, But and then uh, suggesting personal uh, surgical mask use uh, where that social distance cannot be maintained. Um, you know, we do have to be aware of, of how this is spreading and not, you know, there's a lot because there's a lot that we don't know about it, uh, and we can't obviously can't see it. Uh, we have to be concerned with how it's spreading uh, and the PPE, you know, uh, use and distribution, and and trying to shore up the supply chain of your PPE. We're going through uh, because of the number of runs we're doing, going through a, a large amount of the N95s and our gowns and surgical masks, and we're trying to keep keep the supply lines up. Uh, another, you know, another issue is uh, uh, testing for, for the members that, that either have symptoms or are not feeling well or on medical leave. Uh, if, if you're able to, um, 
to establish a, a testing process, maybe with some of the local medical providers, uh, that that could go, you know, that could go a long way uh, to to relieve the, you know, the members, the the firefighters and EMTs and and their families. And then I think the another point is trying to get have everybody as rested as possible, uh, which is difficult if they're as busy as they've ever been. Uh, but knowing that you know a virus uh, looks to take advantage of you know when you're when you're tired and uh, maybe your immune system's a little bit weak, but trying to to get well rested and stay strong during uh, during this incredible time is uh, is something that would be important. Chief, those are some significant elements you're dealing with. You mentioned, you know, supply chain and platoon changes and testing and quarantining and all those things are, I'm sure, impacting your day-to-day -day operations. I'd like to understand a little bit um, on what you've done relating to the deployment of your resources. Have you relocated resources? Have you changed your staffing patterns? Have you changed the types of resources you're, you're putting or sending in the field on different types of calls? Or have you pretty much maintained your, your staffing and deployment model from pre-COVID-19? So on on the fire side, um, we we've been able to maintain our staffing, our current staffing. Uh, on the fire side, our medical leave rate uh, has been hovering about 18 percent uh, for the last uh, I don't know, four, three or four or five days, uh, starting to level off there. And on the uh, on the EMS side, uh, the medical leave rate is hovering right about 24, 25 percent. Uh, and that's kind of plateauing right there as well. So, um, so on the fire side, because of the schedule change, uh, we're able to maintain our staffing. On the EMS side, we are running down uh, some 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 tours. Some days we're not able to staff all the tours. Uh, they do have uh, the uh, uh, we do have ambulances that have come into town. Um, I believe it's on the uh, national ambulance contract uh, that come in and picking up some of the, uh, you know, some of the the overload, say. And we've also staffed what we call uh, some of our rapid response vehicles, um, which are the the second pieces of some of our our special operations support ladder companies, and we've put firefighter EMTs and firefighter certified first responders uh, in them in those vehicles which are basically small utility trucks and they're they're uh, responding to some medical calls uh, segment two and three medical calls in parts of the city that that are overloaded which is uh, helping to relieve some of the burden um, and the EMS response has all has also uh, shifted to uh, a fallback step. So, in normal times for a cardiac arrest, we would send uh, an advanced life support and a, and a basic life support. Uh, now you're going to get and and a uh, and a CFR engine company. Now now they just dependent on availability. You're going to get the advanced life support and the certified first responder engine company. Uh, that means that the that the engine company firefighters are operating longer at at these incidents and and in many cases uh transporting to the hospital with the uh with the paramedic ambulance so uh it's you know a, a full team effort uh and we're doing all we can to help uh 
help the overburdened, uh, you know, EMTs and paramedics. Yeah, that's that's really great, and and it and it shows. And, and one of the things we see on the news every night is how your uh, your engines and your ladders and, and your chiefs are showing up at the hospitals and offering support and applauding the uh, healthcare workers and NYPDs with you. And and it's really a great show of solidarity from the public safety to the public health community. Um, how how has that interaction been going, and how has the relationship with all the stakeholders in your system in that l- largest city in the in the nation gone, and and is that is it is it strengthening those bonds, and are you finding new ways to work better together? Yeah, you know, you know, those of us that were here, you know, uh, around you know September 11th, we we remember uh, all the support we received from, you know, new that New York City received from around the country and around the world, and in the city, you know, all the support that the fire department and police department received from from everybody else. So when we have the opportunity, we like to uh like to make everybody else, you know, especially our healthcare workers realize how how appreciative we are of of all the hard work uh and the uh you know, and the risk that they're taking to uh, you know, to protect everybody else. But it is times like this and we had hurricane, you know, a superstorm Sandy uh back in uh, in 2012 um, you know, where again the city was, you know, basically under attack and you know we all came together and uh worked together to to get through it and uh i guess maybe it seems like it's every uh you know eight or nine years we're getting uh you know having some some terrible event in the city and we you know pull together and get through it well chief you um you and the rest of the fdny i think you're an inspiration to the you know, 30-plus thousand fire departments and 1.2 million firefighters here in the United States, and but really across the globe in terms of how professional and unwavering you are and how you respond to this. And, you know, when I think of, when I think of what makes fire departments special, I also often think of the, you know, the women and men on the job. And I'm curious, you know, on a maybe a more personal level, how's, how, are they, how are they handling things? Are they, are they you know, are they, are, are they processing things well and rising to the occasion? You know what is kind of the mental health capacity uh, there in the city of New York? Yeah, you know, and and it is something that that we're talking to to all our people about that that this isn't just something that affects you at work. We, you know, we're we're all worried about you know uh, you know getting exposed, and then the fear of of bringing it home. And so you know, it's uh, that that support we have for everybody and trying to get all the information out and have people make uh, you know make good decisions and you know, stay clean and, and, and avoid as much contact as, as possible and, and wear their equipment. But it is, uh, it, you know, it, it does have its toll. There are, you know, we do have some, uh, you know, we do have uh, a few, few of our people that are, that are in the hospital and we have uh, a lot of people who's, uh, who have parents that they've already lost and parents that are sick and family members that are sick. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know it's a tough road, and we're you know going to get through it uh, with the support of uh, of everybody and trying to help each other out. But it's uh, you know it hasn't been easy. Chief, I want to wrap up by just asking you one final question, and that's about innovation. You know the PPE shortages that we've had to deal with and the impact on our workforce. You talk about you know it's 18 percent, give or take of the job that's been impacted showing up to work and and not being quarantined or whatever. 
What kinds of innovation have you seen that might be worth passing along to, you know, other fire chiefs and firefighters to be aware of? That's a good question. The information sharing, I would say, you know, trying to, you know, trying to keep everybody uh, informed and up to date, um, you know, uh, you know, as far as, you know, communication and, and, and meetings, you know, certainly, you know, we're able to do that, uh, you know, do a lot of that on, on the computer, but, um, you know, or, and, and online, but, you know, technology in, in the fire service only goes, you know, so far. We, we've found that it's still important for, you know, for us to get out, especially the, uh, you know, the staff chiefs and the borough commanders to, to get out and, uh, get out to the firehouses and while maintaining social distance and, you know, limiting exposure, uh, getting out and talking to, talking to the troops and making sure that, uh, they're getting their, an- their questions answered, their concerns addressed. Um, and that, you know, they know that we're, we're all in this together and, uh, we're going to, we're going to do our best to, uh, make sure they're equipped and, uh, and able to, uh, you know, to be in the fight. But, uh, you know, I guess until we we figure out, uh, learn more about this virus and and how it spreads and how we can tell, uh, you know, uh, who's had it and uh, who's sick and who hopefully won't get it again. Uh, you know, that might be uh, our biggest issue is that we just don't have enough information about this uh, the virus that we're trying to fight. Well, I know I speak for Sheldon and I when I say thank you so much for taking time out of uh, what is still an ongoing and sometimes escalating crisis there in the city of New York and its five boroughs. Um, It means a lot that you'd come and share with us so that we can get the message out to fire and EMS people all across the country and all across the world. So thank you very much, Chief Esposito, for for spending some time with us today. Thank you very much. I, uh, I appreciate the opportunity to share uh, share what we learned, and uh, you know, it's good luck and stay healthy to everybody. You've been listening to Chief of Special Operations John Esposito with the Fire Department of New York City. I'd remind you that uh, this is an ongoing crisis, and one of the best ways that uh, we can share information and work together is uh, within the association. So, if you've got uh, questions and ideas, feel free to share those on the IASC's KnowledgeNet. And also don't forget to visit our website, iasc.org slash COVID-19 for the latest information and tools regarding this ongoing virus and the response that we're making to it. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this iChiefs podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, or Spotify, where you can subscribe and be sure to never miss a show. If you found value in this show, we'd appreciate you rating us on iTunes, or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next month.